0: Hello, my gorgeous internet BFF. How are you doing? Ugh, I am so happy to be here today. I don't know what it is about podcasting and the whole creation of this platform. It just really lights me up, and I'm always happy to dance into your little earbuds. So thank you for tuning in. If you're new here, hi. My name is Laura Patricia Martin. We slay shame. We get real. We talk about becoming your highest self. We work through the human moments and, you know, make it real, make it honest. I'm a trauma specialist and business coach, a lifestyle mentor, all the kind of things. And I remember back when I was going through my life transitions and making pivots in large areas of my life and not feeling like I could lean in anywhere and feeling very misunderstood. And a podcast was where I found my heart and my soul and my vision and people that thought like me. And so I wanted to create something like that. And that's what we do here. And we have banging guests. We have honest solo episodes. We have riffs and science and heartfelt, heart-centered connections and all that kind of stuff. And that's what we're talking about today with Danielle Vaughn of the Get Your Life Together Girl podcast. She's a cognitive behavioral therapist. She's a life coach to women. She really teaches women how to empower their lives. And today we talked about something that I've been noticing a lot of. I personally am also going through this a breakup, a rupture of finding myself outside of the identity of what I claimed it to be and what I thought it to be. And really understanding that if this is not for me there is something better and reprogramming the nervous system to do that and that seems to be a theme in my world and in danielle's world so we were talking about that today and really stepping into your power and becoming your highest self and that doesn't mean there's not pitfalls that doesn't mean there's not shadows that doesn't mean there's not sorrow it just means you have the tools and the practicality to start to navigate it so I'm going to be sharing my story inside of here. She's going to be sharing some of hers. We're going to be having honest conversation. It's going to be real. It's going to be banging. And I wish I would have heard this two years ago, to be honest. So I'm so excited for you to be here. Let me know what you think of this episode, and over on Instagram. I don't know why I got fumbled on my words there. Over on Instagram, <laughs> my personal one is it's Laura Patricia Martin. So it's Laura Patricia Martin. Our Company, our content, our podcast is called Healing Too Happy, Healing T O Happy. And if you want to go check out the wonderful Danielle, her Instagram and podcast are both Get Your Life Together Girl, and she has amazing content, motivational things. If you want to, if you're like me and you just want to fill your feed with all this delicious goodness to remind you how powerful you are, that is where she, her feed is. So just yeah, you go and you look at it and you're like, yes, please, thank you more um if you want to jump in this podcast is supported by unbreakably bold which is our eight-week immersion that is helping women Heal their trauma and step into their magnetism. Go from unseen to unstoppable in less than eight weeks. I'm walking you step by step from the nutritional side of things and the self knowledge side of things of understanding how you work and why you work, to the soul side of healing, of finding safety in the nervous system and the present moment. So you could build resiliency for the future. The women in this program have had quantum leaps in their relationships and calling in love and having deep intimacy to quantum leaps in their wealth, going from you know not having any clients to 10k months to accelerating in that arena to calling in the most aligned dreamy beautiful clients we have people having killing off their you know chronic health issues and really it's it's multidimensional right and that's that's the point of life is to have something that is multidimensional i wish i would have taken this program before any of the business programs to be honest because i didn't understand why business wasn't hitting my heart in the way that i wanted it to and i wasn't feeling the success or the worthiness that i thought would come with the first Business that I had. So, this is why I created Unbreakably Bold so we can have more heart centered leaders tapping into regulated nervous systems and not even doing this for ourselves, but doing it for your family and your kids. Like, imagine what different lives we would have, you know, if we woke up and our mothers had done the work and different conversations we'd be having. Like, it it goes far beyond us. So, this program is starting July 4th. If you want to jump in, I will put the links below. But without further ado, here is the lovely Danielle Vaughn. You are listening to the Healing to Happy podcast, a podcast where we have hard conversations that slay shame. It's about leaning into the vulnerability and reclaiming your bravery. I am Laura Patricia Martin, a trauma specialist who created this podcast to help women like you collapse the walls built up around their hearts due to the shame and trauma and life experiences, to have conversations we may be struggling to have with those around us so that we can break down the walls that are holding us back from living this bold, juicy, brave life. Here, myself, my guests, and my friends share their journeys of rebirth to help us get out of our own way, build authentic relationships and heart-centered businesses and dance proudly into our fullest expression. I believe that when we bring light to a shadow, find richness within the in-between period with women who understand us, co-regulation occurs. Safety is imprinted and we begin to set the tone for limitless potentiality. I am so honored to be here with you. So let's begin. Hello, my dear. Thanks for being here today.
1: Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. I am, I am thrilled to be honest.
0: (laughs) Me too. Me too. I've been just kind of stalking your content today and just kind of scrolling through it. I'm just in love with the honesty that you have with the shares that you have with the, just, I feel like your entire mission is a growth portal for people, right. To tap into and really explore. And so before I, ever get started on these things. I always have a question that I start with. So my question for you is currently in your humanness right now, what is something you're navigating with your healing to happy? What are you, what are you walking yourself through at this moment?
1: What a beautiful question. So it's really interesting because I've gone through many phases of growth in my, you know, in my personal life, excuse me. And i feel right now i think it's a global thing that's happening right a collective consciousness that's happening but for me personally i see a lot of relationships ending very strong relationships that one would think would last their entire lifetime to the beginning of really beautiful connected alignment in relationships and so I'm seeing that navigating it in my personal life as well, but I'm seeing it across social media, in clients, in friendships. It's everywhere. So I think that's what I'm personally navigating, but I think everyone
0: is collectively. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's spot on for what we're going to be talking about today, too. So I'm wow. really excited about that, and thank you for sharing. Um, before we get started, do you want to introduce your lovely self, Miss Danielle? <laughs> sure,
1: I'm Danielle Van. Or if you are on Instagram or, you know, podcast lister, I am get your life together, girl, and I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist. I'm trained in neuro-linguistics programming, life coach to women. I'm a meditation instructor, Reiki, you name it. There are too many modalities to mention, but that's who I am. And you're right. My mission is to just teach people to own their life. That's it. If I can show up and do it in some
0: small little way to make an impact, then I feel like I'm serving my purpose. And you're very much aligned to that. Like, I'm, I'm not kidding. Like every time your feed pops up or I'm listening to your podcast or something like that, like it really is just this like permission slip to life, mm. right? where it's just like, oh, like I am not alone. And that's why I love podcasts. That's why I love podcasts. Mm. Like Cause you can tap into and where you think you're into space. When you're navigating something that might be a shame something that you hold inside or something guilt and like you can't really fully express yourself it's like you can tap into a podcast and really just breathe a little bit and be like oh my goodness someone gets me and that's what I want to talk about today because I I I'm personally navigating an ending of my relationship which Mm -hmm. shocked me at first and also knew that I had prayed for something in my life to be shaken up a bit. And I thought that meant something in finances, but we mm-hmm. went whole heart broke. And what I'm learning right now, and maybe you've looked at this, do you know anything about like numerology and things I like do. That? I okay. do. Okay. So like we're in yeah. the, oh, I'm like last week, it just like landed in my doorstep. And I trust that that is aligned with this conversation where it's like, this is a year six for mm-hmm. a conscious level where it's like, it is, either the marriage portal or the divorce portal, which is like, why we're talking about relationships. So I know before we jumped on this, you were saying this is something you're witnessing within your community as well. So Mm -hmm. what are you seeing with relationships changing and how is that kind of affecting the people that you talk to?
1: Yeah. So it's really interesting. And, And I mentioned that I'm going through this myself, you know, with a family member, that is very integral in my life, you know, and I'm seeing it within the women that I personally serve where there are either really big divorces that are coming out where I think a lot of women I'll say, I think, I know we get to this place where we begin to grow and everything around us begins to feel very foreign. And as we grow and we sort of accelerate on our path, The things that used to serve us and work in our lives no longer do so. And so we are giving ourselves permission unlike ever before. And I think the pandemic had a lot to do with that, where we were in shutdown, life didn't feel quite like normal reality. And then we decide this isn't so much what I want anymore. Mm -hmm. So I'm seeing a lot of that where women are in this space where if this is what life is going to be, this isn't where I want to stay. It's really interesting. I will make a little personal connection with you. And I will tell you this because I think it's very important. So about, well, it was in 2016, I was in that same place with you, but it was friendship where I very much sat in meditation. And I said, you know, if there's anything in my life, that's not serving me, I give it permission to leave. And I kid you not within about two weeks time, all of my personal friendships dissolved around me. And I I realized these were the things that were holding me back from my mission and my path. And as soon as I let go of that, everything opened up. So I know it's a painful experience to walk through an ending of anything, but if you're asking for more, you cannot be attached to what that more looks like. You
0: have to be in it and allow it to be what it is. Mm. And that's the thing, right? Because it's our comfort bubble. And when we're, Stepping into something, and you're like, but my relationship is the thing that gave me the validation that, like, oh, I'm safe here and we're good and we're comfortable and we're, we're grooving and doing all the things. And you talked about something that I really like the whole permission. Like, we're giving mm-hmm. ourselves permission to be this full force and really understanding that who we are at a core, everything else is just a bonus. Our relationships, our wealth, our businesses, all that kind of stuff. It's just an extension of what we already are. But if we don't claim that, and we're finding mm-hmm. our identity in our friendships, in our relationship, in our wealth, in our business. And we shoot up a prayer and we ask for that, like, Hey, can you get like, what I said was, can you give me the death? I need to rise to my highest potential. I guess like I asked for these things, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, you sit there and be like, no God, no universe, but insert name that whatever you affiliate with, but you can sit there and go, no, but not that, like, that's not what right. I want. And so mm-hmm. if you're talking to someone that is like holding the grips on the, what they know is no longer serving them, but they fear letting that go, what does that process look like? Like when your friendships ended and that's a hard one. I think friendship breakups are harder than, even, you know, personal relationship, romantic yeah. ones, friendship ones. Yeah. So, When you were walking through that portal, what did that surrender look like? Mm.
1: I think I really took in the fact that I had asked for it right? And so that ownership is what's so most important. And we do that exactly what you said, you know, this is what I need and want. Oh, wait, that's not what I meant, but that's what you need. And so identifying, this is really what I need in my life in order to get to that next step. And I can stay in that bubble of comfort, or I can go all in and bet on myself. And that is really where I began to process. And that's what I teach women to do too, right? What is holding me back? If I could see this long path and I knew everything that was on it, but I knew this was the barrier point, would I jump over it? And when you look at it that way, most people say, well, hell yes, I would. Why would I stay in that place, right? If I knew all of these other things were coming. But then when you ask them to put the blinders on and say, I know for a fact there will be 50 wonderful things if you will just make that leap, that's scary as hell. They don't want to do it, right? Because there's no guarantee of something greater. If you look across the span of your life, you know, there have been moments where you've given up something and something greater has come. You can see it. You have evidence. You have tangible places in your life. And so you kind of have to give yourself permission to look at the timeline. You know, what did I gain? What did I lose? Was this really meeting the mark of everything I needed and wanted to begin with? The answer is probably not, or it wouldn't have dissolved. So permission really, that's it. Mm,
0: I love that. And it's, it's that core belief that if it's not this, it's something better, you know, that's so hard to actually trust. (laughs) It's the trusting and the uncertainty being like, at least for me, right? Like I'll speak for my personal experience, my relationship. I loved it. I I still Mm -hmm. do. I look back at it and I'm like, wow, that was so beautiful. That was so good, but it wasn't his perfect match and surrendering to that and being like, Okay. And again, it wasn't like how normal breakups are where it's like, there's a big fight or someone Mm -hmm. hated or something like we had a very conscious breakup, like very heart centered. When I talk about it, people are like, that sounds horrible. I don't know how you would ever do that. And I'm like, I don't think we need to hate each other for something else to exist. It's just that trusting Mm -hmm. being like, he believes there's something better and to trust that because if he believes that, that means the same things for me.
1: That means Mm
0: -hmm. I have to trust that, meaning this actually wasn't that fairy tale ending that I had painted in my heart and in my soul, that there is trust and to give permission for that portal to come through.
1: Yeah. And I think what's so interesting too, is a lot of people want to say, like you said, trust in the uncertainty. And I will always ask someone when we're talking about these things, right? Jumping over the hurdle is to put those in air quotes, trust in the uncertainty. We don't know what that is. Really what it comes down to is, do I trust myself enough to be in alignment with what I need and want? And can I continue to circle back into that trust? And that's most important, right? Uncertainty is the element of all change and we change every single day. So nothing is certain. You know, what you wake up to in the morning may be completely different by the end of the night. And generally that's the truth. So can you trust yourself enough? to step forward every single day, be willing to be in it and present enough to know that every action that I take is going to have another reaction. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's all about trust. So uncertainty and air quotes, because that is the element and nature of you.
0: Mm -hmm. That's like, I've been diving into a lot of like Tony Robbins, like the six human needs. Mm -hmm. Significance, love, connection, all that kind of stuff, and the main one being: well, if we're only sticking with uncertainty, we're not growing. You can't have certainty within growth, and yet we cling to it. I mean, and we've seen this right during the last two years, and how things were so uncertain, and the rise in mental health issues, and weight, and drinking, and divorce, even. You know, it's it's all these kind of elements being like, oh, actually, if I have uncertainty, I actually don't feel that good within myself so i need to go mask it i need to avoid it i need to out hustle it i need to out drink it and getting lost in these kind of dynamics where it really is trusting that you got your back and i know yeah. even now like when you're saying things and i can like hear my audience being like yeah but how like wow. what's the strategy behind that how do i start to do that so what would you say to that yeah
1: Yeah. So it's really about being so present in your mindfulness and in your thought process. And a lot of people will call it a million different things, right? Intentionality. We can call it, you know, the power of the now we can call it manifestation. We can call it whatever you want to. I don't care. It all comes back to the same thing. It's being so focused in your thought process. What do I need? What do I want? How do I want to feel? And how am I going to get there? Those are the four questions that drive not only my practice, but my own personal life. And I ask them of myself every single day, you know, what do I want and need? And can I trust myself enough to lean into that so that I can get those things? Right. And so we tend to look at those as, well, that's my goal okay, that's a long-term thing. I'm talking about right now, right this moment, as my thought comes in, do I trust myself with that thought? Is this how I want to feel? Is this going to guide me into what I need and want? And if it is, how am I going to get there? The uncertainty of many things is that we don't have all the information we need, right? So we begin to try to pull in all of the things. That's the way our brain works. We're wired to look for patterns. And so when we pull in things and we're like, well, that's going to, you know, happen because it happened before we step out of that choice and trust. We aren't in that moment. So it all comes back to that thought process. What do I need? What do I want? How am I going to get there? And how do I want to feel when I'm there? Mm. If that can be your guide, you know, uncertainty is really nothing. Mm -hmm. It's all about how you're going to guide yourself.
0: Mm, and I love that because I get the question, and you probably get this too. What do I do in your morning routine? What do you do throughout? Yeah. The day? How do you regulate yourself? Like the constant question, well, you know, when you're regulating your nervous system, what does your morning routine look like? And right. everyone gets so irritated because I used to be one of those people where it's like, okay, I have to meditate, do yoga, work out, look at the sun, drink my water, take a poop, like do all these kinds of things where it's like navigating this. And it's like, Now it's actually looking at and scanning the body before you even get out of bed, just being like, what do I need today? What do I need? And how can I have one thing that honors that? And that's change every single day. Sometimes that's waking up and jumping into work. Sometimes that's, you know, walking through and doing whatever and like going on a workout, talking with friends, doing what have you, but that gets to change every single day based on what you need. And nothing's this ultimate quick fix life raft that was going to save you from these internal things and one of the things i really want to dive into is if you've been through toxicity if you've been through you know trauma this big word trauma that people kind of cringe at but is so valid especially in relationship dynamics Learning to trust yourself. I know I went through this when I was uh, came out of my domestically violent relationship. I had no connection to my intuition. I had no idea what I even liked, so I stuck to these quick schedules because I thought that was going to save me and somehow give me happiness. So, when someone's coming out of that type of situation, how do you usually work with them to get into that conversation around trust?
1: Yeah. So, what you just said was so important to trust your intuition. And a lot of people feel like that's really woo woo. And it's not, we all have an internal guidance system. It's there, it speaks to you all day long. You actually use it more than you think. It's about trusting that, sorry, my throat today. I hope you edit that. Okay, so, um, all right. So when we're talking about trauma, we need to understand the definition of trauma first and foremost, super important because a lot of people have this idea that trauma is one singular event and then it guides our life. I often will start with someone who comes to me and they say, you know, I have a lot of trauma. You know, most people in my position will say, well, what happened to you? Mm-hmm. I say, what has happened through you? Mm-hmm. This is really important because when something happens to us that, you know, maybe we're a catalyst to it, maybe we're not, maybe it wasn't something that we asked for, but it, you know, it happened within us, whatever, It's energy moving through us. It's a situation. It's a thought. It's a feeling. It's an action, right? And all of those things can get stuck in our body, but we have the ability to move through them. So trauma is no longer this idea that there's one singular event and we are now guiding our lives based on that one singular event. It's truly the connection to how we showed up to that event, how we connected to it so important. And the other thing is there is no comparable trauma. So what you may consider as traumatic, I may think that is a normal everyday thing for me. And that's what's so hard for people to understand is that, you know, well, it doesn't seem that bad because it wasn't domestic abuse or it wasn't a violent death or it wasn't this, or it wasn't that. Did it impact you? Did it make a difference? Because if it did, it can be traumatic. That's first and foremost, is to understand the definition of of trauma. The next thing is to break it down. I love to use the exercise of, let's break it down to just the facts. Let's take away the emotions and let's look at the facts. This happened, and then this happened, and then that happened. Then we add the emotions back in. Did the way that I connected to that singular fact cause the next thing to happen. Generally, yes. Right. And so we began to look at where our responsibility is and what we can let go, because if it's not our responsibility, we no longer have to hold it. And so we begin to really look at those pieces and dive in deeper and do a lot of work around what we can release, what we can give permission to forgive and how we can move through and and rewire the
0: patterns that are happening. Mm -hmm. I think that's so, like it lands so deep because you can see a lot, a lot of people would be like, oh, I just choose. I always choose people that cheat on me. I always choose Mm -hmm. people that lie to me, the quote unquote narcissist, the manipulator, the what have you. And then we play this victim role a lot, a lot where it's like, well, they did that. And I did this right. Like, well, they did that to me. Mm -hmm. And even when I get interviewed on podcasts, they're like, how can I tell when someone's manipulating me? And I'm like, "Uh, it's interesting. Like (laughs) like, when when it's a toxic relationship, I'm like, if you're questioning that it already is right. Like that's right. That's already the red flag. You should not be questioning. Hey, is this person manipulating me? But when we're sitting in it, something I always talk about and I want to expand on this because it has so much to do with our nervous system and subconscious programming due to trauma. And it does not have to be big T trauma. I'm loving the fact and all the science that's coming out with these micro traumas that can lead yes. to these. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, not believing we're lovable or that we don't belong, and therefore choosing these kind of people in partnership that then mimic these relationships we had in early childhood. So instead of saying, oh, I'm self-sabotaging or my attachment style is attached to avoidant and attached to anxious and these things that we do is quote unquote wrong. It's really looking at them and going, actually that's been my survival mechanism. And it doesn't mean it's good. It doesn't mean it's like, I'm all healthy and what have you but your body is this beautiful mechanism that that is how you're surviving. So instead of looking at it with this like shadow being like, if I could just stop doing this then I somehow would have this like night woman in shining armor but just kind of wanting to discuss more about that, where it's like this subconscious programming, that's actually your survival mechanism, your self-sabotage. Yeah.
1: It's so important to know that between ages two and seven, that's where we create our biggest patterns. It's where we create our habits. It's where we really dive into our survival. So it's really interesting because we can look at people who've had really traumatic childhoods from two to seven, And we can see all of these patterns that develop thereafter, those relationships, the narcissism, the self-sabotage, right? We see all of that. It's the, you know, eight and older, they have more resiliency because it's not so deeply wired. The other truth is everything that we experience, every habit, every behavior, anything that we really operate from can be rewired and changed. That is the biggest truth, right? We can regulate our nervous system. We can get out of fight or flight. We can use our RAS system to create beautiful things in our lives. We can do all of these things. We have to have the desire and accountability to do it. And we have to give ourselves permission to get out of survivor. This is so important because when we tell our brains constantly that we are trying to survive the next thing, everything around us is given to us in that frame. Well, here's more to survive. Oh, you wanna survive, here's something else for you. And we live in this constant hamster wheel of survival. We don't need to be warriors. We don't need to be survivors. We need to be thrivers who are present in our lives that are in command of our choices. Things will happen to us. They will happen through us. It doesn't mean that it has to be the beat and the drum of everything that we do so
0: important. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting too, because I was talking with my mentor the other day in what she, she went to like a Liz Gilbert workshop thing in Colorado. Mm -hmm. She kind of just talking about like, every one of us knows this, like, you know, independent, strong, fierce hustle. Like we all just empowered, thriving women, but how many women would you describe as rested as Mm -hmm. like, it's not an actual term because we deem that as weak or redeem that is because at the end of the day, we are all just a whole bunch of seven-year-olds living out trauma responses in a adult human shell. Like that is all this is. And so when we're looking at, you know, our relationship dynamics and wanting to shift that, it's giving the compassion to that inner child. And I know Mm -hmm. like sometimes inner child work doesn't, and even there's another topic I want to go on, but inner child doesn't always land for people, but there's also that like wounded teenager that like wants to be, scene and wants to like make right. this sit and stick with this drama and like do these kind of things and yeah. oftentimes we then are given these calm rested nurturing relationships and we're like they're boring Yeah, like, hasn't sent bored exactly <laughs> right. and so kind of talking about that for people when they're you know i know i felt that like when i came out of my domestically violent relationship and mm-hmm. i jumped into dating a really beautiful man, I was the person then that was living out my trauma responses. And I ended up being a huge dick to him. And he would be like, I love you. And I'm like, why did you do that? And like this whole kind of dynamic thinking I'm unlovable because I'm used to the chase and really taking that two year pause after that. Cause I was like, that's actually not like, that's not normal behavior. That's common behavior. That is a very common thing to have because we love cats and that's the match for my nervous system. But what I want to be normal is this like regulated, healthy being.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, you know, we create around us what we're used to. And a lot of people really struggle with that. They, they think, well, no, but I left that, or I didn't want that. Why would I recreate it? And the answer is because you didn't heal it. You know, so for you to take a two-year break is amazing. And there's so much work and groundedness that happens in that space. But a lot of people jump right back into something because they're afraid to be alone. They keep complete validation based on what somebody else can give them. And they, you know, they like to suffer. And I, a lot of people will hear me say that and they go, no, I don't like to suffer. I'll say, okay, well, let's kind of move through what you've gone through in the last, say, five years And it hits them like a ton of bricks. Oh my God, I'm creating my own suffering over and over and over again because I will not address the things that happened around me, through me and gave me these sort of behaviors. You know, a lot of people that lived in really loud households don't even realize that they create or pick partners that are loud. And then they struggle when there's children involved because they've recreated a pattern right? Or people who have had domestic violence will find somebody who may not hit, but they do have emotional situations added in. And they think, well, this is not as bad as that. So I'm doing better. No, (laughs) take a pause and really look at what are you creating by your choices? There's a whole lot of accountability that comes with that. And most women do not want to face that. They don't want to face that. I am purposefully creating these negative scenarios for myself. Once they do, it's like the world just opens up for them because they think, oh, I can be in charge of how I show up and what I do and what I allow in my life. And these relationships that I create on all level, self, their spirituality, their, you know, most romantic relationships, their family relationships, all of it. And that is probably when I see the biggest shift is when they take that self ownership.
0: Yeah, it's that ego debt. It's that the yeah. survival and self protection, and it's literally the hardest pill to freaking swallow. So if anyone's listening this and they're like, "Yeah, but I don't want it," like I get you yeah. it, because it's so hard. Because you sit there, and what I witness with my clients is they're stepping into responsibility and realizing that doesn't mean fault. Like we're not at fault for all of those things, but I am responsible Mm -hmm. for how I'm choosing to continue to perpetuate this cycle within my life. Yes,
1: that is huge. And there's a difference between fault and responsibility. Responsibility is the way that you showed up and the way you used it against yourself or the other person or the situation fault is you are the driver of the action. Okay. Mm -hmm. Huge difference. And when you let go of, this is my fault that is also the permission piece to reconnect with the self. It's hard.
0: Yeah. And it's it's necessary. Exactly. And it's how you move out of victim too. Like when you're sitting and and, and it happens a lot when we're in toxic relationships, abusive relationships, things like that, you go through obviously the stages of groups and things like that, Mm -hmm. but fault comes in a lot. I'm (laughs) this, I stuck with this. I'm, you know, like, I stayed. Why did I stay? And then you get in this self-deprecating cycle, and therefore want to jump into the next relationship to remove yourself from that feeling of guilt, shame, which are you know females' core yeah. like guilt and shame and disappointment and all these kind of things that so we're trying to avoid these feelings. But really, how long do you see with your clients when you know they've gone through breakups and they, or they've experienced some type of detachment? to start moving into this next really This is a question I literally get almost every day. When yeah. is it okay to start dating again? Like, how would you answer that from your perspective? Oh,
1: I actually, I get this a lot too. And I absolutely hate that question. I'm not going to lie to you ladies. I love you all. I hate that question. Here's why, because it's all individual, right? Mm-hmm. There is not a one size fit all to therapy. There's not a one size fit all to life, to anything that we do. There is not a one size fits all. And that's why we like you know that's why doctors say practicing medicine, right? We're practicing what works for you. But here's the thing. <laughs> when you start doing the work and you feel like you're connected to yourself and that you can really look at and be in full ownership of what you want, what you need and how you want to feel, that is when it's okay to start dating. It's not until that point and, you know, a long time ago, I've been married 19 years, I've been with my husband 22 years. At this point, I had a relationship prior to that, that lasted about six years. I thought it was going to be the most, you know, beautiful long-term relationship ever it started when I was in high school, ended when I was in college. And, you know, there was, there were so many red flags, so many things that I knew were not Right. And there was a very conscious choice at one point that if you want your life to be something more, you must step out of this. I did the work, right? And I knew what I wanted and what I didn't want. And those relationships are really good because they do teach us contrast. And so if we can own the contrast, then we know what we want when we find Mr. or Mrs. Wright, right? And so that's really, I feel like the best place and something big. If you start dating and you start seeing those red flags again, step back out. You're not ready.
0: Mm -hmm. And it goes back to that question. If you're like questioning, if it's toxic or manipulative or gaslighting you and you're like, again, like, this is why like internet nowadays, it's like everyone's self-diagnosing them with. Yes, (laughs) Yes, all <laughs> these kinds of stuff. I'm like, just chill. Like it's fine. Like trust your intuition on these things. But it does go into that. It's like it's not about like how do I get them to stop manipulating me? How do I get them to not be this type of way? It's like where is your boundary within yourself when it comes to those red flags? How can you look at your nervous system and being like, wow, this feels really familiar from a time when I didn't feel safe? And although. Right. I want to latch into that. I, I like this drama. I like this, but I know it's bad for me. It's not the, it's not the safest place for me to go and really bring that back to yourself and be like, hey, like, what can I do right now to give myself safety, to really honor this red flag and realize it's not about how quickly can I jump into the next relationship so I can be validated and feel like I belong and say I have a partner because nowadays being quote unquote single is, you know, demonized and what have you. Right. <laughs> but looking at that, being like, how can I honor this? You know, this is the foundation of why I created the program sacred singlehood, but like, how can I honor the sacredness of my independence and my individuality so I can regulate my nervous system for when that match comes in, I'm in it. And it's just an extension of me. It does not make me the person that I am. It's just this like highlighter that's like, wait, this is fun, but it's not what gives me my happiness. It's not what, throws me off. And that's what I usually say to people. And they're like, when can I date again? I'm like, when it's not for your validation of your happiness and your existence, mm-hmm. it is just this amplifier of something that you already are just as money is just as, you know, influence and impact is like, it's just this beautiful collaboration inside of the universe.
1: Yes. The best relationships are those that are, you know, everybody says, well, relationships are 50, 50. No, they're hundred percent, hundred percent. And they will always be 100% the person that you are, meeting the 100% of the person that they are. We're not giving 50% of ourselves. No one just shows up and, like, this is 50% of me. You'll get the other 50% later. No, it's 100%, right? So giving yourself 100% and meeting your needs first, then meeting that person's needs. A lot of people in relationships really struggle with that because they think well you know they're not giving me what i need well then you're not giving yourself what you need to can you give yourself what you need meet them where they are so that they can meet you where you are and have this beautiful collaboration of joy and you know sex and happiness and all of these things When we try to give 50% is when the negative starts in, right? You're not meeting my needs. I don't know how to meet your needs. This is, you know, icky and this is not nice. And I don't like the way that this showing up. What are you giving to yourself? You know, can you get in the car and be happy with who you are and how you're going to drive your day and how you are living your life minus that other person? Because there will be a time, no matter how long the relationship is, that either you will not be there or they will not be there. Are you going to be able to live your life in a grounded, beautiful, balanced way when that day comes? That is a really great, solid relationship.
0: Mm, I love that. And as hard as that is to think of it, it's like still having your individuality, having your space, having your time. This is what like, before even jumping into relationships, it's like, look at your friendships. Like, what's the dynamic of that there? How are you showing up in your vulnerability there? Are you leaning into them as like this kind of quote unquote codependency vibe? Yeah. Or is it just this, like, that's how I learned love. I looked at my friendships and I was like, how can I allow them to fully see me and love me? And over mm-hmm. two years time, I'm like, oh, now I feel lovable. Now I see this impact and this influence with my relationships, so that I can do this. And it's a really good, Segue into what I also want to talk about where it's like people often want to change the people that they're with. Mm-hmm. I wish they would just do the work, quote unquote. I wish they would do this so then I can do this. And somehow we live in this fairy tale land where, you know, we're in this woo woo space and it's totally regulated. And what I've noticed, and again, is look at your friendships. Do you do that with your friendships? Or do you just accept that some of your friendships are like crazy partiers, some like love to travel, some are like the mama vibes, some are like the business vibes, like there's so many spectrums of it. Mm -hmm. And hopefully you're not sitting there being like, I know how to do this better than you listen to how I'm doing it. Listen to this podcast at this one right space and, you know, trying to change your friendships, but we do it so much in our romantic partnerships. (laughs)
1: I think that it becomes this place that when we are in relationships, we really feel undressed, right? And so we feel that we must give every single bit of ourselves over and we leave no more room for growth. And that's where I'm saying the 100%, 100%. And when you say, I would be okay if you were different, you're not in the right relationship, period. It will never be the right thing for you ever and going into something expecting someone to meet 100% of your needs actually creates a very traumatic relationship because what you're doing is you're putting such deep expectations on someone that they will never be able to meet so you're automatically right out the gate setting up a negative cycle if that's where you want to operate from i promise you you will have this you know roller coaster this wave of relationships that never work someone is not going to meet you exactly and say, you know what? Absolutely. I'm going to do all this growth work and I'm going to change and, and it's going to be wonderful. And I'm going to do it for you. If they are doing that, it's actually not for their benefit. It's for yours. And when you change again, they're going to be exhausted. They don't want to do any more work. You know, you have to be able to be you and allow them to be them. I always say, be content to allow people to be who they are. Mm -hmm. And if you can't do that, then you have more work to do on yourself before getting into a relationship.
0: You know what I've witnessed too, is just like, my biggest goal is to be the safest place for people to land so that you can show Mm -hmm. up and you can feel regulated in my presence. You can literally tell me anything and it's the safest place to be. Like, that's what I've noticed. But what I've noticed is people don't, they're not used to that. They're used mm-hmm. to, like when my partner would come and tell me things that would normally piss people off, it's like, well, that's you. So why would I get mad? You know, like, let me kind of know, like, I don't understand. Like I'm, I'm prepared for this fight. I'm prepared for this reaction and this trigger in this space. And so it's really, you become the safest place for yourself where you're raw and authentic to yourself. You honor your needs, you know, who you are, you continually are exploring what that even means that identity of self. And then to be able to, to mirror that for someone else to match. Right. How we change this aggressive forward space that we live in right now, right? Like it's being able to have people to come into our world. And specifically, like if you're in relationship with someone and they're not used to that, to be that secure attachment, to help them regulate themselves and to learn more, that's why it's so important for you to do the work, quote unquote, work for you. And then right. they get to learn from that. And that doesn't mean they do the same courses you do, they listen to the same podcast. They write, like that's not, we're not doing a book club here. They just <laughs> witness how safe you feel in yourself. And they're like, huh, what is that? I can actually come to you about everything. And because mm-hmm. I can talk about everything, it creates this dynamic of trust and regulation that then's perpetuated into the world.
1: Yeah. And vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you can just look at the situation and really in any relationship as I cannot give you what I can't give myself and I can't give you back what you don't give me. Right. And that's really interesting. And a lot of people go, but wait, you know, if I give you a safe place to land, but you don't give me a safe place to land, it's not a true friendship. Mm -hmm. Right. So if I give myself safety and then I offer it to you, I want you to meet me where I am. And that same affordability. And that's real grounded relationships. And so can you kind of shift your mindset into that? It's going to take a while, you know, when people come to you and they're vulnerable and you receive them without judgment, that is scary as hell, right? What do you mean? We're not going to fight. What do you mean? You're okay with this. What do you mean? There's no judgment because that's not really how we've set up our relationships or friendships or anything in our world, really. There's always judgment. But when you say you're safe to say how you feel and to give me your needs, and I'm not going to create drama around that, somebody, you know, it takes a little while for someone to say, I received that, I can understand that, I'm with that, it will happen, give it time. It really is a beautiful thing. You know, I have friends that I don't talk to very often, but I am their safe space and they'll call. A lot of people will turn that around and say, well, they only call me when they need something. They're calling you because you are that safe space. They're calling you because they trust you so intimately with what's going on within them that they want to share with only you. So stop offering that, you know, that friction and just say, wow, they trust me enough. They love me enough to be that safe space. That's a beautiful thing. We have to start witnessing and honoring that.
0: Exactly. And not making, and like having like the enough self-regulation practices to not breathe in there, you know, and triggers and things of that nature. And also giving compassion that people may not come to you at first because you may have been, you know, for me, anger was my big self-protection mechanism. So I was not the safest place for people to land. It was like, come to Laura and she's going to bite your head off. Like that right. needs to be. And so it takes a while to be like, and I, I hear this frustration with a lot of my clients being like, but you know, they're not catching up with this new version of me. So when I'm around them, I'm triggered into this old state, especially around our parents. Like when we've done the work, oh, yeah. and all of a sudden we go to hang out with our parents and you're like, why am I 16 again? Like what happened? Yeah. And it's just Reminding yourself that it, you've been this way for these people for X amount of years, allow them to catch up and just continue yeah. to embody that safety and that regulation. And if you need to go to a walk on a walk because you're triggered it back into your 16 year old self, do it and then come back and continue right. to create that pathway so that they can come to you so that it doesn't feel like you're judging them. It doesn't feel like the old version of you is coming forward, but like, don't then have this other alter ego version of you, protection version of you come out and be like, no, I am trustworthy. And like right. Right back at them, because that's just dysregulating needing dysregulation.
1: Yes, absolutely. One of the beautiful things that I love to remind the women that I work with is that especially in parent relationships, you know, or in sibling relationships, especially where there's been a lot, I always like to say, you know, remind them, I appreciate that that is how you have seen me or how i showed up for so long however i've been doing a lot of work and here is my response to this situation now that reminds them i am doing the work i am growing i am showing up and maybe your kind of preset notion of who i am isn't meeting with who i am today now does that always work no does is that always received no but you can start with that and that does allow someone else to take a step back and say, you know what, maybe how I am showing up isn't necessarily the best in the situation either. It's really important.
0: Exactly. And allowing them, allowing them to have the compassion that you desire as well, where it's like, they might be doing, Mm -hmm. you know, it's when you have old friendships, when you have old relationships, when you have parents, like because you've known each other for so long it does trigger you back into like the most and that's the subconscious work that's the trauma work it triggers you back into the last time you felt that feeling and all of a sudden you get back to that reactive state and it's just witnessing that it's just being like mm-hmm. oh the last time I felt this for me it's always my you know anxious uh teenage self like that's more of my shadow self is the teenage self and so it's always like oh why am I acting 16 it's like oh because the last time I felt this wound for my father was back when it was I was 16 and so I'm meeting him with my 16 year old self and to be able to what you spoke about earlier is just like witnessing that emotion seeing how that feels and being like we're safe here let's choose a different reaction so that mm-hmm. we can not even a reaction a new strategy so that we can have this conversation in our adult version self and start to actually heal these relationships that maybe mean a lot to us and start to really recalibrate our nervous systems around that.
1: Yeah. And I call it minding the gap, right? A lot of us do. And really what is coming into my awareness right now versus where I am right now, right? So if you can stop before you respond and just take a moment, is this me or is this a trigger? The thing about the brain is, and this is so important to understand for so many, and we aren't taught this, is that our brain is wired to look for missing information. So if we have a moment and we don't have all of the information, it's going to look into the subconscious to try to find what may make sense. It doesn't always pull the exact thing that's going to meet that experience at that moment. So, you know, oh, he's going to start yelling. And then we start looking for all of the evidence of all the times that he started yelling before we've now engaged our emotional body. We are frustrated. We're getting upset. We're nervous, anxious. The moment may just have been that he was frustrated about something else and it wasn't even about you, but now you have gone into that subconscious place. Your brain has taken you there and now we're triggered. Now we've you know, moved back into that space where there is no allowance to mind the gap. Pause, count to five if you have to, count to 10, walk out if you need to. Is this going to serve this moment? Is this going to serve me? Is this going to serve my relationship? What will happen if I respond from the subconscious place or the trigger and take me down and take me back into a place that did not serve me before? Sometimes silence is an answer, Mm. right? (laughs) So, what do you need in this moment? how do I want to feel? How am I going to get there?
0: Exactly. And, it, and it's, it takes so much practice. Like, I can't tell you even getting into this, like trauma work and all the kind of things that I've studied and done. And I will still not as much anymore, but when I first started, it was like still popping off, but being sure. so quick to being like, I'm sorry. Like that mm-hmm. was, I know where that's coming from. Here's how I would like to rewire that. Like the power of I'm a sorry when you are deaf, like in the beginning stages, especially of this work, where that pause doesn't come naturally like that, that right. takes so much practice to parent your inner seven-year-old, you know? And so being able to be like, oh, and like coming out of that state of arousal or that fight or that detachment or avoidant, whatever your kind of defense mechanism is. And to be like, Hey, I'm really sorry. Mm-hmm. Here's how I would like to address this. Here's what came up for me. And then looking at that situation too, to be like, where did you feel that in your body before you erupted? Is there a way that you can start to bring that back so you can catch that feeling and then create the pause? Like do this, like what went right? What went wrong? What do I want to do differently? Mm -hmm. Kind of scenario with your obedience or your states of arousal or your detaching. Like what did that actually look like? Look, Taking that self-inquiry practice into your hands to Mm -hmm. change the outcome. Right, and and
1: know that that has to be done on the outside of the experience, right? It can't be done in that moment. And sometimes we do pop off, and sometimes we do have those responses, and our natural response is to say, "I'm sorry." Now, if there's been a long history of this tumultuous between the two of you, or or whatever it might be, know that that sorry will feel very fake, and that sorry will not be received because that's the standard. That's the practice that's been put in place. Well, you always do this. And this is the place that I love to change the language and it is moving the you to an I. So when we get upset, when we are triggered, we always say, you do this. You make me feel you, 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 and really it's not about you. It's about I, I feel that I have been taken back into a place that was uncomfortable for me. I feel like I need a break. I feel I need, I want. The you puts the immediate, you know, wall up (laughs) and says, this is not going to work because you're asking someone to take ownership of how you feel. This is very important. Most people will not take ownership of how you feel, nor should they, right? But if you can say, I am having a moment that I do not feel very good right now people are go, Oh, wow. Okay. What's going on. They're more open and receptive to understanding what's happening with you instead of putting the mirror up and saying, you take accountability for how I feel.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's something as well. Cause sometimes people will be like, Oh, like you're feeling this. I'm not responsible for your emotions, dah, 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 dah. but then yeah. with someone that may be their first defense mechanism. And then they'll come back and be like, who am I to tell you about your emotions actually? Like right. it's understanding that when you're in states of arousal, you're both in states of arousal, you know, mm-hmm. and you're able to give that person also compassion to catch up to your eye statement and have these conscious conversations. Yes. And then, like states of arousal, they can last depending on what your nervous system is six to 30 hours. You right. know, so it's like know where your nervous system is at before you continue to have these conversations and being able to be regulated and honest mm-hmm. in those things and really I forget who said the quote, but it's like, remember when you're pointing your finger at someone, there's three fingers pointing back at you Mm -hmm. using I statements is the foundation of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and know that everything is energy. So if there is negative energy in the room that you are in, you're receiving negative energy or you're providing it, you're going to be matched it's the state that we live in. Our bodies naturally do that. Our brains, our nervous system, everything matches what is around us. It's why when you walk into a place and you have already told your body, it's going to be sad, but you see people smiling, you're confused, right? Because you have really set the energy for yourself that this is going to be a sad event. And now people are smiling. I'm really confused here. What's happening. The brain can't match up. We're matching our energy, right? The confusion of the energy. But know that when you are in a space that things are not going the well, you know, as well as you want them to be, that you're going to match the energy. And yes, we can stay in that arousal for up to 30 hours. And that's where we just say, you know what, this isn't working for me. Not this isn't working. This isn't working for me. It's back to the responsibility of I. And no, you know, it does piss us off when people say, you know, I'm not responsible for your emotions. And they're not. They're just not, they can be the catalyst to why we feel a certain way, but it is all about going back to the definition of trauma. It's about how we connect to that moment. And so if you are connecting to a moment in a negative way and someone else isn't, it's about you, not them.
0: It goes back to fault versus responsibility. It does always Mm -hmm. everything. Everything, everything always does. Yes. Oh my goodness, I could talk to you forever. My (laughs) same, same. (laughs) Is there any last things, and then we can get into how to connect with you, and that you want to leave our listeners with?
1: Yeah, you know, whether it's a relationship or you're moving through something big, or you know, you want to create more for yourself, you want to heal, start with I. Always start with I. What do I need? what do I want? Where is my personal responsibility? Where is my self-love and understand that self-love is an umbrella of things, right? And we don't just go from trauma to crazy lifestyle to not really having self-ownership to self-love. This is the journey of self-empathy, compassion, joy, understanding our emotions, moving through the things that have happened in our lives, the healing, the growth, to get to self-love. And when we begin to do this work is when we take responsibility of the I and it's the only way we have beautiful grounded relationships. So if you can just get into that space, those four questions, what do I want? What do I need? How do I want to feel? And lastly, how am I going to get there? You open the door. You open that beautiful door of healing and grace and self-love.
0: Um, I felt that to myself, and that was really good. So thank you <laughs> so so much. How can my community get in touch with you? Figure out what you're doing, work with you, all the good things. Ah,
1: uh, thank you. Um, so you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook at Get Your Life Together Girl. There's the Get Your Life Together Girl podcast. You can go to GetYourLifeTogetherGirl.com. I have a blog, tons of other classes that I've taught. All the things, right? So, go there. Um, go on to Instagram. I post daily a little quote or a self development or healing journey quote to kind of help guide you. And then there's all the videos and there, you know, all the things there that you can go through. But you can also work with me one on one, and you can find all that information on my website.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you so so much, and I'm so excited to share this with my community. <laughs> thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Mm, how wonderful is she? (laughs) So like I said, I will put all of her information in the show notes. You can go follow her over on get your life together, girl, either on podcast or on Instagram, or you can come hang out and we would love to hear from you as well over at healing to happy. So healing to happy or my personal one, it's Laura Patricia Martin, I-T-S, Laura Patricia Martin. And from there, we can continue this conversation. And if you want to jump into Unbreakably Bold, this will be starting in July 4th. This is our eight-week immersion for anyone looking to quantum leap in their life, to have emotional mastery, to find the love, to have the health, to create a business that feels so aligned. Like this is the foundations of doing that. If you're feeling like, ugh, What is this void that I'm in and why can't I shake it? It seems to keep coming up. I'm walking you through how to do that to create the safety within your body. So I will see you in the next episode. I love you so much. Like, share, subscribe, review. This is how we get that out there. It means the world. I read them every time I jump on here and I'm sending you big, big hugs. I will see you next time, my love.